With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Alfie Patton and Chantel Stedman of the Terrace team up. Sean, you know who Alfie Patton is? No, but I'll, I'll Google them. Uh, that was Britain's youngest father at the age of 13. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman that he got pregnant or- and that is right! Yes, Alfie Patton and Chantel Stedman, we have invited you into our lower league restaurant, which is relatively well thought of on TripAdvisor, but instead of you serving you a delicious three-course meal, we're serving you up three games featuring some of the worst sides in the SPFL. You're laughing, Sean, because it's absolutely true. It's absolutely I, true. I, I don't know. See, all the times we've done this podcast, I don't know if we've watched... Uh, not necessarily terrible games, because there's some very funny moments, but certainly... At least three of the teams that we've watched this weekend are honking. Yes, aye. And, and and lucky for us, two of them were playing against each other. But that's right, aye. As, uh, well, everyone's attention was focused on the Scottish <coughs> Cup, and let's be honest, this year's fourth round really was a good laugh. Sean and I have kept our eyes on the regular run-of-the-mill league games that took place in the SPFL. There was a sole encounter in League 1 and two in League 2. And so, Sean, I think let's do a cross between Silent Witness and Dream Team. Uh, where we'll take a look at the football dream team in forensic detail, silent witness. But Sean, um, before we get started, I we were talking off air and I believe you'd like to apologise to myself and the rest of the audience for your performance on last week's podcast. Yes, it will not happen again. My apologies. <laughs> Never before have I recorded a podcast <laughs> with someone who visibly and audibly, audibly gave up halfway through. I mean, in fairness, I suppose the fact that I uh, could barely talk by the end of it probably made it slightly better than the norm. It's like when when we were talking about Wraith Rovers, uh, sorry, we're talking about um, Kelty Hearts and Airdrie, and I would say, talk about a passage of play, and then just stop speaking (laughs) with the intention of you coming in, and you just 
you just not speaking. There was there's a couple of people actually got in touch with me and said, "Is everyone okay with Sean?" And, and so Sean, Sean, why, why, why were you still speaking? What, what, what was the what was the reason behind that? Uh, do you know what? I'd, I'd done a few podcasts before we recorded uh, last Thursday's, and uh, I'd, I'd started drinking, uh, and, and that ah, just something. I probably won't do that again. I think it's fine to do it, like because by the time you you, you sort of you, you you reach your merry stage, you're at the tail end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that point, we were very much not at the tail end of the podcast. There was another forty-five minutes to go. Um, but nevertheless, well, regardless, nevertheless, listen, we're living, Liam. We're living, Liam. Uh, like Sean and I, uh, well, certainly Sean. Sean's determined to make up for it today, um, and he, he, he told me off there. He said, "If you don't like it, he will personally pay for a Patreon subscription for six months, top tier, to anyone that doesn't like it." That's that's, that's what you said, Sean. That's what you told me. I mean that's uh, that's a lie, but but there we go. Okay, I'll, I'll hold you to that, Sean. I'll hold you to that. But listen, enough about your problems with alcohol. How are <laughs> how are things just just generally? How's your how's your sense of well being? Uh, good. You know, son, I was disappointed at the weekend that uh, the, the Scottish Cup tie against Linlithgow was off. There was mm. they, they had plans for a, a big day out uh, in Linlithgow. Instead, it became a a small night out on on Tuesday evening. But other than that, I cannot complain. Well, that's good. That's good. Please, and of course, we we will might might as well just tack on the Scottish Cup at then because there was a lot of interesting stuff involving lower league teams and non-league teams. It's perhaps uh, worth discussing. But nevertheless, I, I'm pleased that you're that you're uh, up and about. What about uh, what about you over the last week? What have you been up to? I've been a problem with planters, Sean. And right, I, okay. I, I want uh, the listeners' advice for this. Uh, I've had a problem with planters. Basically, Ian Greenhill, a mutual friend of ours, he's one of the, the people behind the scenes at A View From The Terrace, he recommended a company to me to get some planters, some terracotta planters. Now, I bought these planters in good faith, Ian. I bought these planters <laughs> in good faith. Little did I know these were outdoor planters. Okay, so there's a couple of problems with that. The first one being is they've got a hole in the bottom. Ah, oh, the water will come out. I found that out to my cost. I thought the I thought the soil would would suck it all up, but no, the, the it actually came out the it came out the bottom. It the I'd like you know I'd four four of these terracotta pots in the living room. I felt like a sort of a a staff member in a care home when four people had pissed themselves all at the same time, and it was like a firefighting mission with kitchen roll to try and get them all cleaned up. So one that that's the first problem, Ian, if you're listening, and the second problem is that. The, the, I, I, the reason I found out they're very much outdoor uh, is because after watering them on the Saturday, I came back into the house on the Sunday and the whole place smelled of damp terracotta. <laughs> now, uh, you appear to be putting a lot of the blame onto, onto Ian Greenhill, and to be fair, oh! I, I, I wasn't there when, when you had that conversation with him. However, A, did you explain everything clearly to Ian? And, and B... See, when you bought them, did it not say something like outdoor planters on the label? I had to go, after buying them, uh, I had to go back onto the website and just, oh yeah, they do say <laughs> that they're, they're, they're really outdoor. Uh, but you know what, something, I, I've, I've spoken to people, I've, I've actually canvassed a lot of different opinions, and this is where we want the, the listeners to come in here. Apparently you buy like a tray to, to sit beneath them, and the mm-hmm. water goes into the tray, and then the plant just of its own accord sucks up the water. Mm-hmm. I believe that's how, that's how it works. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds doable. Well, excellent. Well, then listeners don't bother getting in touch. We've we've cracked the case already. However, um, however, is the is this tray that you're going to put underneath? Will that will, will that be aesthetically pleasing? Because I'd imagine they look good. 
Oh, listen, Sean, my flat at the moment, the living room certainly is all coming together. I have got a mirror on the wall. I've got some prints. It looks really quite snazzy. It's really quite homely getting. Mm -hmm. So I reckon I'll be in a position to invite people round to uh, to to watch watch football and, and listen to pop music and so on. Is that was that for the first time ever since you moved in? Oh no, no, listen, mate. I've I've had people around. Don't you don't you worry about me. I've I've had people around. Not for a good couple of months, right enough. But oh, I've had people around, boy. I've had people around. Oh, please but take it's, it. Ah, it's getting there. It's it's getting there. I I, I um. Yeah, it'll be nice once it's all done up. I just need to really figure out how to get the smell of damp terracotta out of the place. Once I do that, I mean, I've lit lots of candles and I've sprayed a lot of Febreze. Uh, I was going to say, are you aware of air freshener? Well, yes. Or, I, I, or, op- or opening windows. Yes, I mean, what part of Febreze did you not understand? That's, that's <laughs> well, I was going to say that. Surely that's what? To an extent, but then I've got to water them at the weekend. So oh, no, we'll no, back the, to square one. Back, back, to, back to square one again. Maybe I just spray them with a... I just go down to B&Q and get a squishy gun and just spray them. Put in less water than the last thing. They're plants, yeah. They're, no, they're not like bairns. Plants can, <laughs> plants can thrive. Maybe that's how I become a deadbeat dad. <laughs> You've said that plants can thrive as if children can't. Well, children need a lot more care and attention than plants. <laughs> they do, absolutely. I, I agree. So listen, if you do have any planting advice, please put it on the Discord server and Sean and I will not read it. <laughs> somebody might pass the message on, though. Some, some, somebody might pass the message on. Have you ever seen Down, the movie Downfall before? Uh, is that the one where the, they take that kind of Hitler speech and then obviously they've... It's become a meme, yeah. yeah ah. but, but, but have you seen the movie? You know, you know what happens in it? I, I believe so. Uh, basically it's like Hitler's last days in the bunker and he's yes. surrounded by all these sycophants that, mm-hmm. that won't really reveal the truth to him mm-hmm. I, that, what, what I imagine the terrorist discord to be like is like that but as people telling Craig Fowler's co-commentary on Hearts TV was good um, so I, I, I shan't be reading please post it listener if you do have any tips please do post it in the discord and then it might at some point be relayed to myself and Sean but listen Sean my, my, the, the, the one piece of advice I would take from that is if you are going to buy planters, do your homework first. Don't just rely on the good faith of others. And you know, so I don't think it would require a lot of homework. Just, uh, just look for the word indoor. Don't make the same mistakes I did. You know what I should do, Sean? Actually, I think that I should go out to primary schools and and, and talk to kids about that. Like about become, what not to do. About what not to do. Yeah, I said, look at me. I, I was successful. I had it all until I brought outdoor planters and had them inside. Imagine, imagine like that. There's a primary school somewhere, and they have like a load of, uh, I, I don't know, a load of uh, people coming in to speak to the pupils. Mm-hmm. And one week it's like a policeman, and the kids yeah. are all excited. Next time it's maybe somebody in the the fire brigade again, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. exciting. And then week three, it's you coming in to talk about indoor planters. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the kids would be absolutely fascinated. Say, hey, listen, listen, listen. See in thirty years' time, by the way. And thirty years time, you will be. You will want to take this advice on board. When you start getting properties for yourself and want to start doing what you want, planters for yourself. Don't make the same mistakes I did. And, and do you know something? Out of the three, the, the the policeman, the fireman, and yours, yours yours would probably be the most practical of speeches. Well, I, I don't know what I mean. What would the policeman say? Coming and say, just like so. I, mean, I suppose the fireman would be would be more the, the most useful. Like fire safety tips. That's that's perhaps more, the most useful. I, I don't know. I mean. Uh, giving people tips about how to keep plants alive. Like, a, a lot more people are going to have plants than join the police or join the fire brigade. 
Yeah, more people in the UK have plants than they do fires, I'm going to estimate. <laughs> more people in the UK have plants than cause fires. Yes, that's that, that's just an that's an estimate. <laughs> you remember chip pan fires where they yes. used to do the thing where it was the whole idea like don't throw water over it uh, because that makes it go worse. And they would do the thing like a fireman would be standing miles away with a, like a cup and a big like a big stick and he would tip the water <laughs> and it would go everywhere. No, no, the way you're supposed to handle a chip pan fire is with a wet flannel. <laughs> is that how you water your plants? Just like a small <laughs> cup on a long pole and then you just tip it in. I'm not frightened of them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fucking. It's they're not like day, the truffids. I was going to say it's not day the truffids round here. They're just, they're just, they're just plants. They just, they just stay there. No, no, I'm not frightened, but I'm frightened. Like I've got, I've got beautiful herringbone flooring here, and I, I don't want it to. I don't want herringbone. It to that sounds posh. Oh, Sean, listen, I'm a, I'm a fancy guy. Next, listen. Next time you're in Glasgow, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps uh, pop round. I've, I've seen your floor, uh, only in pictorial form, but it does look lovely. Yeah, well, well, next time you're in Glasgow, we'll come around and see it in real life. I will absolutely um, do that. Excellent. And, and that invitation, no, I was going to say extend it, but no. Would, would, you, would you invite a stranger into your house? Uh, well, it depends who. No. I suppose it depend, depends who. If, uh, if you've got identification, we can talk <laughs> about it. If not, forget it. They must bring uh, a passport and possibly a gas bill. Yes, that's like I me. Mean, you know, you know so the more I talk to you, Sean, the, the more I'm terrified about being like an old person. Not because, not because you're sort of more advanced in life than me, but it's the idea of like, like just how old people are so easy to scam. You, you, you know, like, like I'm trying to think. People like the, I'm sure the guy who was the, the accountant at Hamilton Ackies when in his late eighties, when, when he was tricked out of a million pounds. But it's the idea like, like bo- a bogus gas man can turn. I know that's a sort of a subplot in Still Game, and I think that's one of the reasons Still Game was quite popular, wasn't it? Because it did tap into a lot of anxieties that the older community have. But uh, it looks, it looks dreadful. I, uh, I look forward to you being. Well, I don't look forward to, to you being scammed. But mind just somebody just chapping your door when you're you're in your early eighties, telling you that they're uh, come to fix your indoor planters. In you come, in you come, son. And then they bring uh, your telly. Ah, oh, that's right, my my telly and uh, my and your planters. I my, pl- my planters <laughs> and my flooring. I come back in. I'm just walking around in pipes. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you want to talk about the football? Ah, oh, for lust. Yes. Yeah, for lust. Yes. Well, Sean, listen, we've had a good laugh, but the laughter stops now. The yes, laughter stops almost so. immediately because we are going to be discussing the two, I think, I like, let's just have it, the two worst teams in the country at the moment. And this Whoa, is... Oh, I, I, I think there's one other team that right, has challenged okay. them. But, but oh. yes, more or less. 
Aye, more or less. The two worst teams in the country, uh, it's Peterhead and Clyde. They, uh, it was pretty much the two most abject sides in the country. It was a bid to avoid automatic relegation and Peterhead came out on top, winning 1-0. Kieran Shank's goal is first goal for the Blue Toons since joining on loan from uh, Arbroath. That was enough to give him the edge. It was David Robertson's first win since taking charge of the club in late November. It was Peter Head's first win in over four months and, crucially, it's lifted them up into ninth place, one point ahead of Clyde. Clyde, of course, are yet to win under Jim Duffy. They've lost four in a row and they really don't be appearing to make any progress under his regime. There are a couple of positive results at the start of his campaign, drawn with Dunfermline, drawn with Falkirk, but they haven't won a league match since the 14th of August and they look in... Well, both teams look in dire straits, but probably Clyde more so, you'd say. Aye, aye, very much so. I, I, I thought the, f- the funniest thing about these highlights was, uh, do you remember a couple of years ago now when we would watch an Arbroath game uh, th- when they'd, they'd put their highlights up and it would last 17 minutes or something like that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, for the love of goodness, like who who has the time to watch 17 minutes worth of Arbroath highlights? This was... This was Polar opposite, two yes. minutes and two minutes and twenty seven seconds, which doesn't say too much for the, the the quality of of the spectacle that was on show on Saturday. And in all honesty, two minutes and twenty seven seconds, they probably could have trimmed a wee bit of fat. I think that. they could have when, done. You, they could have easily shaved off. I think they could easily shaved off about ninety seconds <laughs> off it if we're, if we're being honest. I mean, there was a couple in in the, in the game. There was a couple of I think Daniel Fosu missed a couple. He missed one really really good chance. Yep. He had a shot that he that from close range that he should have scored. Kieran Shanks's goal was was a, you would say an improvised finish. I think that's what they say in the business. Clyde. <clears throat> There was, a stramash, there was a stramash towards the end where it looked like they missed, where they had a pretty good chance. It was, I, I, I'm not entirely sure how he managed to miss it, uh, but but that seemed to be it from a Clyde perspective. Peter Head, as much as both sides were dreadful, Peter Head just about deserved uh, the, the three points, I, I thought. And that's, like, if I was a Clyde fan, that's now the most worrying thing because as much as Clyde have appointed Jim Duffy, which... I'm not entirely sure that's a great appointment mm. they've just sold Jordan Allen to, yeah. to, to Falkirk that, that's literally happened yeah. uh, an hour ago that, that mm. happened, happened an hour ago which which is obviously going to weaken that, that squad even further and their main rivals for that for that ninth spot and let's face it that, that's as high as either of these teams are getting this season as, as ninth if there's any forward momentum whatsoever it's coming from Peter Head yeah. and they've signed a load of players who I am reasonably unfamiliar with but at least like at least David Robertson and the Peterhead board are, are trying something. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're throwing things at the wall and presumably some of them will stick. Like we saw on Saturday, Kieran Shanks, an improvised finish. I, I thought the keeper could have done better, to, to be fair, because uh, he, he telegraphed his back heel a, a, a mile away, but uh, but Neil Parry didn't seem, to, didn't seem to be aware that that's what he tried to do. But you know something, I'd, like Shanks is probably a... a Shanks is a... a I feel that's a decent sign that in that, that there was fleeting moments in his time at Arbroath. It's like, right, there, there is something yeah. there. And maybe League One, maybe League One is, is his level at this moment in time. Because he joined from sort of an upper mid-table, literally local, yeah. sort of an mm-hmm. upper mid-table Highland League sign. Obviously, there's a big step up, a massive step up into the championship. So yeah. I think perhaps a bit of bedding in time in, uh, in League One, albeit at a team where he's probably not going to see a lot of the ball. No. However, of those two, and although I didn't think I would have said this at the start of the season, I mean, I, I, I remember going to a, a League Cup tie and, and yeah. Peterhead, one of the worst teams I've seen 
Wraith Rovers come up against. One of the worst teams I've seen in real life. It was six now going on ten. Could easily mm. have been double figures. However, I would now say I would expect Peterhead to finish ninth. I, I still don't think they'll stay up. No, but, no, no. but Clyde are the team that, that now seem to be the worst of the two. I, before we come on and, and talk about Clyde in, in a wee bit of detail, I, th- I think that Peterhead, I think I, I actually think it's fair to say that Peterhead could have won this by a greater margin. We mentioned Daniel Foster, and it was particularly a header that he had, and that would have made that would have put the score beyond any doubt. It was a really good ball that came in from the from the right hand side from Jack Brown and Fosu. He sort of peeled between the two Clyde centre backs, he had a free header, and you you you're actually like knowing what the score is, you're actually thinking, how on earth how 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 on earth did he miss it? And I think that that perhaps you're seeing the reason why he wasn't as successful or wasn't a success at our growth, just because he isn't he's he's quite fit. He can run around the park a wee bit, he can occupy defenders, he can he's actually his movement's pretty good, but he's just he kinda lacks that finesse and you saw that on two occasions uh, on Saturday. I mean, I suppose when it comes to Fosu, it could be that it is a, a lack of talent or it could be a lack of confidence or, or, or it could be both. Uh, perhaps if he, uh, maybe if he maybe he does get a goal, perhaps he can kick on from there. But uh, you're, you're right, it's, I, I doubt he's going to end the season on, on double-figure goals for Peterhead. What do you think about Eli Ikwa and Joshua Onyesan, who signed earlier in the week? Do you think uh, they were both signed up to the end of the season? Onyesan had a brief spell at Dumbarton. He was a name I actually recognised. How do you think these two players will get on? Or do you think they'll sort of fall into the category like a lot of the signs made at the start of the season? Absolute punts that will be up the road in six months. The only one I recognise is is Oyensun, and he was fairly dismal in terms of his time at uh, Dumbarton. Uh, I, I was reading a wee bit about him today. Uh, poor first touch uh, is uh, is kind of game intelligence didn't seem particularly good mm-hmm. uh, games could kind of drift by however the, the one positive was that had, if uh, if he seemed up for the for the fight then you would get a good 90 minutes from him uh, but the, I think the general the general opinion was that there was surprise that he was back in the SPFL uh, that's, that's one of the things that I, I, I wonder about you mentioned about being up for the fight uh, and I'm sure like like football players ultimately if you get to play at like a level a good level and let's face it like League One's an alright level in the grand scheme of things if you get to play at a level you've obviously got a degree of competitiveness and a, and a will to win and a desire I just wonder if you've been playing like lower league English football and suddenly you get the chance to go and sign for Peter Head I, I just kind of wonder what, what what that must be like to to sort of play for this part time team who are sort of two different uh, training bases that meet up with each other once a week before going to their games. I wonder what that must be like if you've never experienced that before as a as a football player. And it might be quite easy, given the team are in such a poor position, to 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 to, to not let the head drop a wee bit and just be like, well, I'm up the road in six months anyway. Let's just let's just go through the motions and get it done. And am I also right in saying that Peterhead have paid a fee? Is that the player that paid a, they've paid a fee for somebody? Was it? Is that right? Did he? Did, is he the player that came from? Is he the one that came from Weymouth? Am I yes, getting mixed I think, up? I think, yeah. I think, well, I then, think, then they've, they've paid a fee for him. But very good. I suppose that's the Russell McLean money being reinvested in the team. But I, I you know, we we've spoken about Peterhead uh, at like earlier in, in the season. I think we, when we did the big bumper preview podcast that we go on about all the time. That that we that was a podcast to be proud of, though. To be fair, if I if, if I'd recorded a podcast like that, I'd, I'd want to talk about it often. <laughs> but we said that that like during the cost of living crisis, perhaps Peterhead are the side that were most affected by it. I mean, it was just a a, a sort of a a, a 
a maelstrom of, of circumstances when you've got a cost of living crisis, the team perhaps, players less unwilling to travel, the fact that you had a, a number of experienced players moving on, like Simon Ferry left, took a number of players with him to go to open goal, Broomhill. Scott Brown is now the Wraith Rovers captain. You know, there's Russell McLean was injured and, and didn't really want to be there and he's away. And these are guys that you could perhaps hang your hat on and they don't seem to have that anymore. Plus, on top of that, a terrible injury list, I'm sure, in that game you were talking about when they played Peter, sorry, when they played Wraith Rovers, they weren't really able to fill their bench. In fact, sure maybe we even just two substitutes in those games. And, and even, you're right, but even later on in the season, uh, maybe, that might have been kind of end August, September, maybe end August, September, I remember them playing Falkirk and it said that they had 16 players missing. Um, yeah. So, so you're right. Their their injury uh, record this season has been has been absolutely dismal. And, and I also think you're right in terms of how how easy it is for Peterhead to now attract players. Because again, you go back a few seasons and they could attract players for mm-hmm. an extra hundred quid a week or whatever. But now it's not quite that easy. That there are other clubs who will offer at least that uh, at, at the lower levels. And when you add in the travelling. Aye, this is probably Peterhead's most difficult time in terms of recruit. Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, and I saw that the a lot of the guys, I was looking at the <coughs> Nary's Toe Poker website, and once again, Laurie, I was going to call him Laurie Sanchez there, uh, the former... <laughs> No, Laurie Sanchez. From the Northern Ireland boss. Ah, it's, uh, it's Laurie Spence, Laurie Spence. You know, I mean, you can, I mean he is very xenophobic at times, but he does maintain a good database about comings and goings in the transfer window. And I was looking back at his <laughs> database and he was saying that, oh, sorry, I was looking to say, he was saying, he just noted the players at departure and there's a lot of sort of like overseas names, like they're an Egyptian fella, like an Egyptian under 21 or Egyptian youth player that was in the team. He's away up the road. Uh, and I, I, those guys that, that Jim McAnally brought in and it was really just like, just punts, just take a gamble on them just to just to build a squad. And I think that there are players in there who have been good players for Peterhead and can be good good players again. I'm thinking like the like Jason Brown, for instance. Like Andy McCarthy's been getting a, a good write-up. He apparently had a very good game there. Um so I think that like both teams will go down. I think David Robert David Robertson's probably gone into that job knowing that's the case that they're going to go down. However, I think they'll be in a I think they'll perhaps be in a better position next season to stabilise and consolidate in League One compared to Clyde, who you really kind of get the feeling are in a bit of a death spiral at the moment. Oh, I, I very much so. Like, I, I would imagine that Peterhead would be in the equation next term for the for the promotion playoffs in, in League Two. Clyde, and, and to be fair, what I would caveat that with uh, is that we've said similar things in the past about Dumbarton. We thought that Dumbarton might uh, be the the kind of banter club, and that they would go down into League Two, and we probably couldn't make up our mind whether they would be okay or absolutely mm-hmm. dismal. As it turns out, they're they're absolutely fine this season, and, and could could very well win the league. So we have said similar things, similar ish things in the past. However, Clyde, I I, I don't just I'm not going to say I worry about them because. Not overly fussed about them. However, I, I I I do sense that of all the clubs in the SPFL at this moment in time, if I was going to pick one that that, are, that have a very very difficult future ahead of them, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely Clyde. The fact yeah. that they they have such a bad squad, they they appear to make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision in terms of 
they probably should have got rid of Danny Lennon a bit quicker. The appointment of Jim Duffy seemed like a mistake. The fact that they are now leading a, a nomadic existence. Yeah. I know there is a plan to to build a stadium at Crown Point. How how did they do that? I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that'll be... I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that ends up being pie in the sky. Mm. And can Clyde, who are obviously in a very difficult position already, can they afford to be not have a, a, a stadium to call their own for another one? I mean, you look at Queen's Park. I mean, they've they've kind of had a nomadic existence for the last three years. That's affected them and they've done well. Mm-hmm. Clyde could be in the same boat, but doing really poorly. Aye, that's... I, I, they'll go down this season and I, I don't think they'll do particularly well next season in League 2 either. I, I, well, a lot of it depends on who they're able to bring in, of course, and that's been that's been a massive criticism of Danny Lennon at his time. You know, we've spoken about Clyde on these podcasts in the past. We've spoken about Danny Lennon, how exalted he was in that first season when he almost got into the playoffs. A hero worshipped in the eighteen nineteen season when they they, they they actually won promotion at the, the, the expense of Annan. Uh, just ever since then, it's, it's sort of been like, well, you can imagine like a season up after being so long away from like the third tier. It's all about consolidation. But then it's just, it seems to have got worse and worse and worse. And now you're, you're, you're faced with like, like just, this has all just come back to you, like, like really, really poor recruitment. And it's looking through the squad of players they've got. And it seems to be guys that are past their best. Guys who have a, a good players in the past, but are past their best. And you probably say, and as much as I like him, Neil Parry maybe, you yep. probably say Peter Grant, Brian McLean, all guys that have done well in the past, but this is just perhaps uh, the level's a wee bit too too far for them. And then on top of that, you chuck in guys that, that just aren't quite good enough. Ross Lyon, player we've we've talked about. I mean, he was he lost his place in Stenhouse Muir. He was a right back, lost his place with Stenhouse Muir finishing fifth in League Two last season, lost his place to a converted centre back. And Clyde are signing him for the division above and he's playing every week. And you watch some of the highlights. Watch the game against Aloha. I'm not sure if we spoke about that game or just what we were watching it, but you saw him just like, he's miles off it. Absolutely miles off it. And that's just one player. There's a number of players that you could look at. And there's been a number of players like that that have been signed and just haven't, haven't been good enough. So if they go down next season, you would really expect Jim Duffy or whoever it is to really have to try and put a team together but with a lack of money there a lack of place to call your home you're probably in a position where it's all the same young guys maybe a couple of experienced heads in there but I think and again you always have to uh, you always have to be a wee bit wary of, of what you read online but certainly the suggestion is that their budget next season would would really need to be culled uh, and, and really need to be considerably lower than than what the budget is this season and and looking at that squad and, and looking at their starting eleven and, and the guys they have on the bench, like you can't imagine that's that's a massive budget. That, that already looks like a a league two budget. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to have to be uh, uh, chopped into to, to a, a big degree next term, then think well how <clears throat> how competitive can they be next season in league two? Mm-hmm. It's whether it's Jim Duffy, I, I, I don't know, but they. Their appointment for next season in terms of who's in the dugout needs to be spot on. Yeah. John Rankin, maybe? I don't know, that's, that's for, no, no, seriously, I don't John Rankin was very well thought of from, from his time 
at Clyde, and I think he's quite well regarded as a coach. Obviously, it hasn't worked well for him at Hamilton. Or maybe George, uh, John Ryan's like, no, I don't want to manage a terrible club again with, with no money. Um, but you know, I would say, I would say it's like fair play to the Clyde supporters because they were very, very noisy going by the highlights. Uh, and they, they, they were singing from the first kick of the ball to the final whistle. And there was quite a funny bit where after um, Kieran Shanks' goal goes in, you hear a, fuck me, that's coming from behind the camera where the, the Clyde fans were. That was something I, that was something I quite liked. I read there was a report um, on Pine Bovel, the poster's name for <coughs> Evil Den Beeman, who, who I actually know personally, and he's an absolutely smashing guy, Montrose fan. Very, very good writer. He was saying that there was about... He, he pitched up there with Montrose having a week off. He, he pitched up at, at, at Balmour. And he said there was about 700 supporters there for a, for a game as we've built it like the two worst teams in the country. But that's, that's... You've got to say, that's a lot of credit to the people that turned up because you knew it was going to be rubbish. It was cold. It was windy. But folks still turned out to, to back their team. And see the... I really liked it. The celebrations at Shanks' goal. Shanks runs off into the corner... And you can't see it. The camera doesn't track his movements. But there's all these kids, like young team that are behind the goals that all just run to, to <laughs> the court to celebrate him. I really liked that. That was my favourite moment watching the watching the highlights. So I think you have to say, like, fair play to them. And it must be weird, like, if you're a, if you're a Clyde fan who probably, like, ages with myself, maybe younger, where you've been watching Clyde at Broadwood and, and Broadwood effectively becomes your home. And then, but they were at Broadwood for about nearly 20 years. Yep. Uh, and, and then suddenly you're just not there anymore that must be weird like just having to change your routine on a Saturday you know I know that like like as football fans like routine is a, a big thing you, like you you leave the house at the same time you're playing home you'll go to the same place you probably sit in the same seat in the pub and not to have that must be I must kind of suck a wee bit I, like, I remember I remember we'd done it for about maybe two or three fixtures uh, a couple of years we had, a, a few years ago when Wraith were, were laying their, their new pitch Oh, was the that latest what, pitch. What was that? Was that when they had the, the problem with when the pitch smelled of eggs? No, no, that was funny. Uh, but no, when they were putting <laughs> down the, uh, this, the the 4G turf, so they played their home uh, League Cup fixtures at, at, at Methyl, and that was weird, but it only lasted, like that lasted two weeks. Mm-hmm. But for Clyde, I suppose they, they moved away from their, their original home. But then, I, I suppose I'm trying to put myself in the same position where I, I, I continue to support the team, but maybe my the home games are played in Glenrothes. Yeah. Then you're forced into moving there and then you're away to, to somewhere else that's reasonably close by but still not Kirkcaldy. It's a, to, to the people who continue to do that week in, week out, I mean, fair play to them. You can imagine Clyde, and if, say for instance, like Crown Point, the Crown Point falls through and there's some dubiety of what I've read in Pine Bovel, there's some dubiety as to actually whether or not the, the area is suitable for football but it's big enough to accommodate what Clyde wants to do with it or perhaps what the what the regulations dictate. If that falls through, you can imagine Clyde sort of becoming like East Stirlingshire. Maybe sort of like a bottom half Lowland League side where they still get like reasonable crowds but they don't have a home to call their own and then you're just sort of just existing. Aye, but, and, but then I suppose worst case scenario you become... And again, to be fair, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs. I, I, I'm kind of aware of it, but like Rob Roy, Kirk and Tillich, who mm. don't have a place to call their own, and it, it, it feels like they're in danger of of disappearing altogether. So yeah. having having that home is vital. I'd, 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 I just struggle to see how Clyde are going to achieve that. You ever th- wondered what would happen or what you would do if, God forbid, <clears throat> like the Rovers went out of business? Uh, the, the Rovers just like ceased what you would do? <laughs> 
it's funny because when like last season when they, so when they signed Goodwill and I was like right well I, I think I'll maybe take a wee a wee hiatus here went to went went to a variety of games we had to come a few times we went to a couple of Stenny games where, where you and as much as as much as I was still enjoying my Saturday afternoons because there isn't that that pool because there yeah. isn't that kind of emotional loyalty like a lot of times I was just I was digging my, my phone out to see how the Rovers were getting on now obviously if the Rovers didn't exist I wouldn't have that I suppose if I have anything like a second team it would be cow and beef but then would I be going to Lowland League games every no. two weeks? Probably not. So I, I, I don't know. I would probably I would I would attend games, mm-hmm. but I, I I certainly don't think I would be uh, even remotely enjoying them as much as I as I do now. Yeah, I've I've thought about that as well. I'd probably still go to games like games around Glasgow, like the Albion Rovers, Partick Thistle games, Queens Park games. But it's you would just be going around like similar to yourself with with Cow. Now I've we've spoke about it the last time. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Queens Park, but it's it's not the same. It's not your team. Like Queens Park, if they if they win, it's like a fair play. If they lose, it's like fair play. It's not you don't have the same visceral like it's not it's not in here. It's it's, it's not in here. And I I'd, I'd hate to think that would happen. And I've never understood people that that can change the the team they support. Maybe maybe I would just actively. Uh travel the country and supporting whoever was playing Falkirk or Dunfermline that week I could get behind that I think I don't know man it's like there was a period where when Stennis Muir were, were doing like me, well, say a period they've pretty much been mediocre <laughs> the entire time I've been seeing them I think it was perhaps like when when, when Falkirk were, were playing really poorly I think it was the pandemic season you know where they were top of the table needed like was <coughs> two points from six games to, to guarantee a top four finish and lost it that was great fun that was you were actively looking for them to lose but now it's like Falkirk have been that bad for so long where it's just kind of like indifference and that's probably, that's probably like an insult into Falkirk so supporters might be listening and say who the fuck's this guy like, like patronising us and patting the head but I think there comes a point like Hatred only gets, dislike only gets you so far. You know, I think you need to, maybe the older I'm getting, the more I've realised you need love in your life and not not <laughs> hatred. I sound like, I know I sound like Confucius when I'm saying that there. Uh, but it's, it's I, 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 I'd hate to think, I'd hate to think what would happen. I, I actually couldn't think like a, a, anything worse than your club just not existing. Or the idea of, like someone trying to take your club away, and I know you've you've had this like with um, with, with Colin McGowan that the idea where he was going to like just steamroll or like Starks Park. I remember Livingston fans when Angelo Massoni was there. I remember on the news him walking into Almondvale and a supporter confronting him. Like I suppose like Rangers, you know, like a lot of people had a good laugh at Rangers back in twenty twelve. And and for a lot of people, given that their dominance in Scottish football, that was that was funny. But the idea of like shysters and gangsters and hucksters coming into your club, and and just hollowing it out and, and stripping the assets and creaming off the fat for yourself, I, that's that's horrible. Because you would, I don't know if you'd feel powerless to to stop it or how you would how you would uh, how you would deal with that. Uh, I, I tell you what, I tell you what, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't put an eighty-two-year-old in charge of my cyber security like what Hamilton did. <laughs> That's uh, that's step one. <laughs> oh, sorry. That, 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 I wouldn't say that discussion got heavy there. Perhaps a bit more uh, existentialist. But yeah, let's let's just wrap up League Two by laughing at uh, uh, the 
they, they, they got scammed off somebody steam cleaning the vaults. What would you say though, Sean, just before we move on into league, <clears throat> Peterhead's next game is against Queen of the South, Clyde's next game is against Dunfermline Athletic, both at home. How do you see those games going? Clyde actually done okay the last time we played Dunfermline. Uh, 2 0 up, probably should have won, uh, ended up getting pegged back. I, I think they'll lose heavily. And as much as Queen of South are doing poorly, they're still 15 points clear of Peterhead. I, I suspect that Marvin Bartley will get his first win as Queen of South manager. Yeah. Marvin Bartley's Queen of the South. That's how we formerly have to, to call him. It's like, remember Brendan Rogers Celtic, mm-hmm. Stephen Gerrard's Rangers, Marvin Bartley's Queen of the South. Um, I didn't realise just when I was checking uh, Neri's Toe Poker's database, I didn't realise that Kyle Doherty had joined Clyde. He's joined from Kelty Hearts. I think he had a very positive spell at Albion Rovers. He got a trial at Queen's Park Rangers. Obviously didn't come to anything. Went to Kelty. Didn't make much of an impact there. Has pitched up at Clyde. Oh, there you go. Good news. Uh, that and uh, Cameron Selkeld. Jim Duffy obviously knows them. If anyone can get a tune out of those boys, the Duffman can. Now... Uh, Enough about terrible. No, say enough about terrible teams. That's <laughs> just. That's just. I'm sorry, listener. That's just the market that Sean and I are dealing with. All the good teams were either in the Scottish Cup or not playing. This is the market that we are dealing with. There were three fixtures. That's you know our patented podcast. We give you three fixtures, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but the three fixtures were all absolute gubbins. However, I would say this actually looked like quite a good laugh. This is East Fife one, Stranraer three. Um, Stranraer put a dreadful run of form behind them, but they lost three consecutive matches to beat East Fife at Bayview. Josh Walker, Jinky Hilton and Aaron Brown got the goals while Scott Mercer could only pull back a consolation strike. Both teams are level with 26 points but East Fife's superior goal difference sees them just ahead in fifth place. Sean, 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 my lovely Sean, tell me about that one. I just, I am adamant that we, we'll, we'll be sitting here in April doing a podcast uh, about three games and we'll be talking about a team that is struggling in League 2 uh, and we're so really worried about them. They, they could get really get sucked into it. I'm really worried about them. And they'll still end the season in May in the promotion playoffs. We, the, the amount of teams that we've we've covered this season that have been stinking, yeah. that cannot buy a win, uh, whether it's, we've talked about Stranraer, we've talked about East Fife, we've talked about Forfar, we've talked about Annan, we've talked about uh, Bonnyrigg. I, I mean, the Stranraer's... Uh, uh, games recently, they have been absolutely mm-hmm. dreadful. But in this game, lad, yes, there was some uh, some curious uh, defending, but they were well worth the three points. East Fife, who, I, I mean, I didn't think they turned the corner, but they had maybe, I think it was one win and two draws and a defeat from their last four games going into this one. But their home record has been terrible. They, they've yeah. picked up eight points at home this season. I didn't realise quite quite how bad it was. And and you can see why, based on this uh comedic defending at, at times which was was it Scott Mercer that was at fault for the second yeah. goal with a, a kind of mad swipe I, I, again I, I thought Stranraer were, were well worthy of the of the three points actually if it wasn't for uh, Alan Fleming and, and goals for his five Stranraer could have won by more yeah I, I, I got to say I thought the best player in the part was Aaron Brown uh, who has signed on loan from Stranraer for Stranraer from Kilmarnock he is a sort of a strapping young man it's fair to say he's quite I think once he fills out he'll be an absolute unit because he's tall and he's quite rangy he looks like he's got quite a good burst of pace 
looks quite a confident dribble of the ball and looks a, a really good finisher. He won a penalty that opened the scoring that was converted by Josh Walker and he scored the, the third goal to put the game beyond doubt. And he was really involved with everything good that uh, that, that Stranard were, were in. They've, they've, they seem to have a really good relationship with Kilmar. They've taken players on loan yep. in the past and and this, I mean, they didn't, like, I'm trying to think, like Ennis Cameron, I don't want to compare the two, it's very too early days. I know that Cameron hasn't necessarily made that much of an impact at, at Kilmarnock. I don't think he's quite the player that people might have wanted him to be. But certainly, Brown, on that one game, it's very early days, but Brown looks a smashing piece of business, a really good sign for them. I, I think so. That was, that was the first to be seen him. Uh, and as you say, I, I, I thought it was very good. I I, I thought if Strenar, if they got a stroke of luck, and maybe I, I am by no means uh, a Craig Anderson when it comes to knowing the rules. However, there was a point where there was a... I think there might have been a long through ball that was misjudged by one of the Stranraer centre-halves and their goalkeeper, is it George O'Connor? George O'Connor. Came out and... I mean, I mean, it's difficult to tell from the from the, the highlights and, the, and the, the one camera angle whether he punched it when he was outside the box. However, he got booked for handling it outside the box. Greg McDonald in his post-match interview said he asked the linesman and why he, uh, O'Connor wasn't sent off. He th- I, I assumed, I'm thinking of Gianluigi Pagliuca against Norway in the 1994 World Cup when he comes out of the box and handles it and he was sent off. Uh, so why wasn't that the case? But apparently the linesman said it's only a booking. Well, there you go. That would explain, that, well, that would exactly explain uh, why it was a booking. But I, I, I do think that East Fife have a, a, a weird mix of and again, I suppose we've kind of covered it in terms of uh, teams that we've mentioned. They've got a weird mix of guys who are probably a wee bit over the hill mm-hmm. and some young guys who who might go on to have a decent career, but certainly at this moment in time, they're not demonstrating enough. They're not quite ready for, for League Two, I would say. There's a, I think in defence, there's a lot of big boys that play for East Fife at the back, like young big boys or the sort of guys that if I saw those them in the gym... I would move to a different part of the gym because I wouldn't embarrass myself in front of them. I think of guys like Sam Denham, Aaron Steele, and I think they've got something about them. Steele wasn't his best game for them. Of course, he conceded a, a pretty poor penalty. That was the penalty that where Brown Brown had a, the run that he went on down the left. He sort of shut one tackle, made his way into the box, and like, like Steele's bit of naivety sort of dangles a leg out. And actually, quite a mature play from Brown, who's only, only 17, saw the leg and Took the opportunity he, to, to go down. He, he knew what he was doing. I, I I thought it was a penalty, but it was it, it was reasonably soft, but I, I did think it was clever from yes. uh, for Brown. Aye. So th- those, those guys, that are, um, like they have something about them. I think that there's something that can be worth. I think it's one of those maelstroms, though, when you put so many young players into the team at the one time. It's, it's not an ideal situation, I think. I, I don't know if this is just... Um, it's not a stereotype it's just one of those sort of like myths in football where if you're playing a young centre back you need to pair him with an older like an older player I'm thinking like remember at Rangers Davey Weir and Danny Wilson you've got the guy who's like about, about 54 and a guy who's about 14 playing alongside one another <laughs> and they're, they're, they're combined ages sort of like meet in the middle and you've, you've got a, a, a decent player there a decent partnership there I think that the problem with these five is just there's too many young guys particularly at centre back and I think that guys you kind of perhaps will want a wee bit more from the likes of um, Stuart Murdoch and Scott Mercer in terms of that these guys are quite experienced and it's just uh, they seem to be making 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 similar mistakes on a week by week basis. 
I, I know I, I know his five fans haven't been overly enamoured at uh, at Greg McDonald's tenure so far. I, 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 I get that. However, I and I know that there's other teams that have, that have been in the league that were in trouble at the bottom of the league two this season in terms of uh, Steny who have brought in somebody who has a, a reasonable track record, I suppose, and mm-hmm. uh, Naismith. Forford have brought in, in Ray McKinnon. McDonald probably doesn't fall into that same category. I don't know if he was a, an overwhelmingly uh, positive appointment when he came in, and he's, he's done nothing so far uh, to, to kind of prove the doubters wrong. But it does feel like he is uh, dealing with a squad and, and probably dealing with a budget where... Maybe both his both his hands are tied, and mm-hmm. he's he's just kind of been left with this squad. And as as we've already pointed out, it must be very very difficult with uh, such a young squad and and experienced players. Who Alan Troughton is a good example where this might be a season too far for him. Yeah, I, and and again, I think Alan Troughton is will go down as one of my favourite lower league players because I've absolutely loved watching particularly I think it was when he was at, at, at Queen's Park but I think especially when he was working with Ray McKinnon at Brecon like Brecon their, their forward line was it like Andy Jackson Bobby Barr Alan Troughton and Derek Kirkery remember him like that was a like I mean you're going back a couple of years right enough but that's a really explosive forward line and I remember doing a I think it was doing a podcast it was either Bobby Barr or Alan Troughton and basically Ray McKinnon said you had a, you had a six and you'd sort of like a back six four defenders you had like Craig Malloy and Gary Fusco as a sort of double pivot and the other four could just go and do what they wanted and they that breaking t- McKinnon's breaking team were, were generally uh, a lot of fun but that was what it was like 2013 2014 back then I mean we're a, lot, a long way away from that now and, and Trouton's a real good like penalty box player but Aye, it's like like just age catches up with you a, a, a wee bit, and I, I I don't know if that's the case, if that's the case there. But you know the the goal that they can see, the one where Jinky Hilton scored, that goal was very similar to the one that um, Adam Frizzell scored for Airdrie against Kelty Hearts last weekend. Mm-hmm. You know where it was a ball, somebody yeah, just a, 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 a kind of essentially like a kind of a big punt that you think. That that surely isn't going to cause uh, any danger. Then it was just like a a dreadful swipe at the ball from Mercer, who missed it altogether. Hilton ran it. It A decent finish, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it was. I mean, that's meat and drink. Yeah, Uh, should have been dealt with. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, like it was a the the goal, Brown's goal. That I mean, East Fife had actually just come back into the match. It was a, a actually Mercer sort of atoning for for his mistake. That Stranraer's big problem is they're, they're terrible at, at corner kicks, terrible at set pieces, and this is in a in a rare degree of actually doing something good. When Stephen Swift was Stenhouse Muir manager and uh, Stenhouse Muir beat Stranraer three one earlier in the season. Two of the goals came from set pieces. Uh, Nicky Jameson scored and Sean Crichton scored. And Swift in his post-match interview said he knew that they lacked a bit of height. So it was just easy just to chuck balls in. And you've got, like, they're really aggressive attackers. They're really good at attacking set pieces, Jameson and Crichton. And if you can get balls in, you're likely to score. And you saw that was effectively from a long throw where the ball bobbled around. Uh, Trouton sort of nudged it along to, to Mercer. It was a, a really good finish into the into the goal there. Um, but you know, it's like see when you look at like George O'Connor. When I was watching him come for that punch, he screams, "Lower league backup goalkeeper." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like the guys who are 
<laughs> they're not particularly tall. They must be about like what five ten. Who are are young? They'll, they'll probably be about like twenty or so. And they're the guys who will only ever get a game if your goalkeeper gets injured or red carded. And as soon as the match finishes, you're straight in the phone to Kilmarnock or Hibs or Dundee United saying, listen, have you got a big tall boy that we can borrow for a couple of games? Please. And somewhere, I don't know how long uh, Luke Scullion, the number one goalkeeper, I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but I think that's perhaps an area that Sinrard do need to address soon because I, I we, we spoke about we spoke about it the other week. I don't like referring back to, although I've done it about 14 times already, referring back to previous podcasts. And we spoke about like Queen of the South, for instance, on, with Max Curran. If you don't have a goalkeeper you can trust, it just makes everyone, from the players to the supporters, yep. just make a wee bit nervous, nervy. And I do get that feeling with uh, with George O'Connor. He's probably a nice boy. He's probably a, a, a good trainer and so on. And I think that if you don't have the height, you have, you've got to make up for it in other ways. But I just think that that's the sort of thing that can that can hold hold a team back. I, I I reckon we can check back in on on George O'Connor in about ten years, and they'll have twenty one appearances, twenty one career appearances. I will check back in. He'll be playing for Glenafton. <laughs> listen, listen, that's just that's the sort of thing. I, I would love to have played for Glenafton. That would be class. I'm sorry, that sounded like it was an insult. Uh, I mean, it wasn't supposed to. That wasn't supposed to. Be. I'm sorry, George, if you're if you're listening. It wasn't supposed to be. They have signed Finn Ekrapont. That happened earlier today. The fullback they brought him in loan from Air United. I saw him playing for the Rovers last season, and I quite like the look of him. I think that he just he is part of the the plans at Air United. He just needs regular game time. I and I don't know. I don't know how that'll ever work because they like they seem to have been talking about him now for for a good few years, but they constantly sign a fullback who they obviously regard as a, a, a far better option than, than Eckerpoint and Eckerpoint and then just loan him out. So whether whether he probably needs to well he certainly needs to drop down a level now uh to get games in. But I I know what you're saying. He's still in the plans at Air United. I suspect he won't be at Air United next season. And and if he is he will be a way out on loan again. You know, it's, it's some, to touch on a point that you made earlier, it's remarkable. I was looking at you mentioned his face record. They just won one of their last nine matches, and they're still just outside the playoffs. And it says like so much about the the competitiveness of that division. And I was asked by the the SPFL. They got in touch with me the last week to, to to write up a wee bit about League Two, and they had four questions and asked asked to to give my thoughts on the not the first one was. Why is League Two so competitive this year? And it just seems to be the lack of consistency. Where there are there are the teams there are teams who have punched above their weight. I'd say like Bonnie Rig to begin with punched above their weight. They got what seven points from their first three games. Teams have badly underperformed, like Forfar and Stenisbury and an Athletic. But you're seeing changes have been made at the clubs, like I think managers have been moved out at the right time. Players have come in in January and think what you're going to see very shortly is probably actually in, in two or three weeks as the division is going to stretch out a wee bit. You'll see the teams who, I think at the moment, every single team, and I include like Bonnering that, can see themselves as finishing in the top four. Because those two other places, third and fourth, they're up for grabs. It's just I think it's going to become quite splintered. So I think this is this is the period where the teams will get their act together. Forfra have done it. Annan are in the Annan process of are doing it. Stenhouse Muir and four points out of uh, out of Naismith's first two games. That's that's all right. I don't think a corner's been turned, but you're at least you're looking left or right. 
so that's uh, aye. So it'll be, I think it'll be it'll be interesting. But uh, I, I I I still think the bottom three will be the two teams that we're, we're just talking about: East Fife and Shinrar and Bonnie League. I think that's your bottom three, and I, th- I think Forfar will kick on, Stenny will kick on, Annan appear to have uh, got a, a a good bit of form under the belt now, and. That kind of leaves everybody else of mm. which, and and funny enough, all the things that we've said about East Fife in terms of they've got uh, a, a load of young players, and and their experienced players are maybe a wee bit too old uh, now. And there's a degree of that about Shunrad as well, and I think that's that's what will ultimately hold them back. Albeit, like they're six and and just behind East Fife, so again the two of them might be saying, well, we've got a great chance of getting in the top four. Mm-hmm. Yes, I suppose they do, but I, I I think teams will catch up and overtake them rather than vice versa. Aye, but that, that's you know something you and I, Sean, we could be doing this podcast in a fortnight's time and talking about how Elgin City are struggling. You know, and they're never they're 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 going nowhere. It's it's such a I, I suppose that's the nature of of like just like being a, a being a like a pundit, and I say that sort of like inverted commas. You just you you can just you talk based on what you see and then that can completely change I mean how many times in this podcast or, or when we're making a view for the terrace you come up with something you've got to come up with this definitive sweeping all-encompassing <laughs> statement and then the team you're talking about wins 4-0 at the weekend and commits you like a cunt that's just what happens that's just what happens it used to be the sort of thing that, that where that that People would would clip things and and post them on and like, like I mean I'm sure like the, the worst one like Tom English gets it quite bad for saying that it's that McGinn point. John McGinn that's exactly what I was going to say the John McGinn one like saying that like Celtic shouldn't go for him he couldn't get into the Celtic team and now he's the the captain of uh, of Aston Villa you know and and there's been touted in the and probably perhaps not now but been touted for for big money moves higher up the food chain. It's just that's that's the problem, isn't it? You 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 stick your neck out and and if people, you stick your neck out, people are going to shit in it. Listen, I I still think that Daniel Armstrong should have had a call up for that friendly against Turkey. And I still think Daniel Armstrong should have been the League One Team of the Year that year. Graham Thielis, if you're listening, go and fuck yourself. <laughs> anyway, next match you Sean Sterling Albion versus Stranraer. <laughs> oh, Sterling Albion, Sterling Albion home win. Stranraer won three one the last time they played each other. Yes, but I'm still going to go for Sterling Albion. Okay, okay. I like the cut of their jib at this moment in time. Yeah, I can't wait to somebody to snip this audio, but a Sunra fan to snip it after Sunra absolutely do them in and be like, "Hey, we're going to get get it right up you." Uh, the other one, somebody is, from the somebody from the It's No Easy podcast. <laughs> they're the, are they the guys that do? I'm sure they do the the Sunra t- uh, commentary yes. as well. Yeah, that's them. That's them. Um, I haven't listened to. It. Um, have, have you heard the commentary? Yes. It, it's similar, but in Just podcast the, form. It was the, that, that was it. I, we, we were speaking about it last week. I think this is before you your brain switched off. We're just talking about that the the game against. I was just like, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, dear. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were absolutely barking last week. Uh, East Five, Sean. They are away at and an athletic, uh, and an athletic home win. No, it's fair enough. But and and <laughs> that's a neat segue. Uh, to, to talking about an Athletic this is our final match in League 2 it took place at Galabank the battle of the Athletics Annan versus Bonnerig and it's fair to say the home side came out on top Aidan Smith Max Killsby and a brace from Tommy Goss Tommy Goss Tommy Tommy Goss saw Peter Murphy's crack troops rise into fourth place while Bonnerig remain at the foot of the table and I've got to say Sean um, 
Aaron were pretty good here. Bondrig were absolutely dreadful. Aye, I, I would say this is as as bad a performance I've seen from anybody this season. And yeah. bear in mind, like Robbie Horn had obviously, it, it, he kind of rang the changes. I think there was seven changes. Seven from changes. The, from the last uh, game. It was three debutants, three or four debutants, certainly three new signings, maybe four debutants. Uh it it didn't make any it didn't make any positive any positive changes whatsoever. And and the fact of anything, like they were worse. I mean they could have been a goal down after a few seconds, then Paddy Martin, who'd have just brought in uh and goals had a had a brilliant save after about two minutes. Yeah. And I know Robbie Horn was saying that at one 0 he felt that his side uh, in the first half was was still in it, and I suppose well, yes, in theory they are, because there's only one goal in it. But I didn't, I didn't get that impression from the highlights that they were necessarily pushing for a for an equaliser, no. or were were even remotely on any kind of even Stephen terms with, with Annan. Then, as soon as the second half starts, very similar to, to the first half, almost two 0 uh, immediately. Yeah, Goss missed that, a good chance. I put it past the post. But as soon as you got that second goal, which is an absolute disaster from uh, Scott Gray. I'm sorry. I, yes, it is. I'm, I'm shaking my head. Just an now. absolute disaster. Then it was. Then it was a capitulation. And and Horn mentioned this post game when he felt. I, I don't think he said that. Well, basically said it, at two 0 He felt the game was over. But it, I, I, he sounded like he was a bit. Al, al, basically, he was essentially at a loss. Yeah. I felt in his post game summary, and he basically said that they aren't creating aren't creating aren't creating anything up front, and they're far too easy to score against. Now that is that is a disastrous combination, but he's right. I mean, they are, they're not just like we've spoken about Clyde, who who look like they're out of their depth in in League One. They very rarely get hammered, Clyde. They normally lose games reasonably narrowly. Uh, Bonnerig are now starting to get scudded most weeks. That's two two back to back four 0 defeats. I think that the one against Albion Rovers looked really sore because it gave. I think they said that last time we spoke about it because it gave the impression that Bonnerig had had perhaps turned a corner. You know, they'd beaten Stranraer previously. They'd drawn four matches, then beaten Stranraer. Then you get hammered by Albion Rovers. And that's not just a sore one because you play badly and, and you lose 4-0, but it's because it's against Albion Rovers, the team who you would be like, we finish above them, we'll be fine. You go away to Annan. And to be fair, Annan are on a bit of form. You know, they've moved up to fourth place. It was it was a disastrous performance. I mean, I, I texted you. I was watching the, the, the highlights I like back obviously knowing the score and I text you like after two minutes and no goals had been scored by this point and I text you saying like my goodness Bonnie Rigg are terrible and the first two chances that, that Annan had it was they were from Bonnie Rigg mistakes under no pressure whatsoever they played their way into trouble there's one you mentioned in the first minute they're trying to build from the back and Bonnie Rigg centre backs don't want the ball they just want they're, they're stoppers they just want to make sure it's far away from their penalty box as possible they're trying to build from the back and somebody gives the ball to uh, an anime midfielder who plays in Chris Johnson. I think Chris Johnson perhaps should have done better. He's a bit of an angle. He's a bit of a straightforward save for Paddy Martin. And then the same thing again. The ball gets given away in the middle of the park and, and then there's like, it's Johnson's running down the line. It's a, a, cuts it back to, to Smith. Brilliant save for Martin. That's what you mentioned when it's a real reflex save to push the ball over the top of the bar. But after that, the, the goals, I mean, the, the first one, like Smith is there's space in the box for Smith to finish in the six yard it seemed to go through Martin a wee bit he seemed to and maybe give him the benefit of the doubt because it looked like Smith hammered it and it was from quite close range 
But then but that in itself is an issue, the fact that he is able to finish from... Six yards. And nobody really near him. Nobody really picking him up. No, no, not, not at all. It was like, that was a... You've, you've got big defenders there. That's certainly something you do have with Bonnerig. And, and so with Goss, have him pinned. Put your big guys up against him. Give him something to fight about. What happens is a cross in. Goss wins the knockdown. It bobbles around a bit for Smith to finish. That second goal, and, and I don't really like like digging players out or giving folk a hard time. Scott Gray's performance based on those highlights is one of the worst performances I've seen this season. I mean, the, the, the second, third and fourth goals, he was directly involved in. I think of them, the the second goal is perhaps the worst because it's a Bonnie Rig corner. Ball gets chucked in, cleared, and, and and then it's it's Johnson gets the ball and, and chips in Tommy Goss. And and Gray has got about a good like four or five yards and all he needs to do is sort of hook the ball back where it's came, but gets himself in a fankle, it mishits it, and then Goss is just motoring through and goal. And Gray at this point is just sitting in his arse looking at, he's looking at, but that's thing, he, he, I, I've watched it back a couple of times, he's sitting in his arse, he turns around his head to look at the referee and is watching the referee as the referee's following the run of play. No other Bonnie Rig players are appealing for anything. The third goal, it's like him and the boy, the Aaron Arnott, who they've seen. Aaron Arnott for, just get themselves in a, a, a fankle, but it's oh. so easy to, to dribble the ball between the two of them. Aye, Aiden Smith, again, Aiden Smith had a right good game. Dribbles between them, really good finish of Max Kilsby. And then the fourth goal is a penalty, and I do have a bit of sympathy because it, it could have been, it seemed to be at a coming together. Like Johnson gets inside the box, and and it almost looked like him. I I thought Chris Johnson was very clever here. It looked like that he didn't think he could get the ball the the other side of him, but almost links arms with him. It yeah, like it, I almost feel like the coming together was instigated by Chris Johnson rather than rather than Gray. I had a bit of sympathy for him for the for the fourth goal, mm-hmm. but but as you say, everything up until that point was based on these highlights uh, poor. Yeah, and like I say, I I don't like to dig out players and give them a hard time because it's I mean they're just they're just trying to play football. Uh, uh, but that's like three goals that he was two of them directly culpable for. Oh, you know that's 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 not great. And 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 then then in eighty one minutes when the game's gone, then Robbie Horn makes a quadruple substitution. To what end? To, to, to what end is that? Is that to send a message to your to your players? It's it's not as if you're you're doing it. Maybe at two, because that was like not long after. I think that was like six minutes after the restart, where where Goss scored to put them two up. Surely you'd want to make the changes then. I'd- Aye, I I actually thought again. See, referring back to the the, the post match interview where the I, I don't know the name of the body rig uh, commentator, but he also does the the post game stuff, and he'd said something along the lines said. To, to Robbie uh, do you still think you can you know change it up or, or, or bring in bodies and Robbie Horn went I made seven changes and, and changed the formation like during this game yeah and then the commentator went great stuff thank you but it was just <laughs> it was just all very awkward and, and yeah. I know listen just because he didn't have a, a particularly great answer for that interview doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have any ideas for next Saturday yeah, yeah, for course, the remainder of, of the season it, it's a totally different scenario However, it's it's how that it's how that looked, uh, mm-hmm. I suppose, and the fact that he's made so many changes on Saturday there, and it, it, it had no positive impact whatsoever. And we've already spoken about the fact that Bonnie and I are, are very much on a, a kind of downward tangent at this moment in time. We, we've we've spoken about other teams 
uh, in League Two over the last few weeks, it's difficult to see unless something changes when it comes to Bonnyrigg, it's difficult to see them not finishing bottom of the pile. That was the on-pine bovel. There, there aren't many Bonnyrigg fans, which is strange, given they have got a, like a, a large a good, home... A good League a, 2 a, crowd. Aye, a good, yeah. a good they're, they're perhaps. I was trying to think who, who the best supported part-time teams in the country are. I was thinking perhaps Bonnyrigg and Clyde, unless are, are both, of course. Uh, if you're looking for another team in League 2, Elgin? Always had a reasonable support for I particularly, uh, I particularly yeah. suppose, but they, but they don't have. They're not. <clears throat> excuse me. They're not very well represented on on Pie and Poverty. But no, that was no. on the Bonnie Rig thread. That was the first time I've seen someone say we need to make a change. Mm-hmm. And there's only one punter online from a very. That is one person from a very small pool. So again, you don't want to read too much into it. But that's the that's the first thing I've seen that degree of of dissent. And I don't know if if changing the manager. Uh, would do it I mean at least they've changed their goalkeeper Paddy Martin coming in from Falkirk so I think it's a, quite a good move we've spoken about the struggles that um, Mark Weir and Mikey Andrews have had uh, over the course of the season so at least it, that's it's an upgrade it, it's an upgrade however if you are conceding uh, 8, 9, 10 decent opportunities per game uh-huh. probably doesn't really matter who your goalkeeper is so, so yes it, it is a, a, an incremental improvement on probably League Two's worst team it kind of feels like and there's only a couple of days left in terms of January I don't know what their budget is I know they've already brought in three players uh, recently it kind of feels like they need another three or four and mm-hmm. and, and and not just three or four Like I should take Arden Arnett as an example I, he, he'd made some cameo performances at Starts Park I thought it was okay I, I thought he might have had a career not necessarily at Championship but wanted them to get games went to Brecon then they get a game at Brecon. Now there's there might be reasons for that. Maybe it didn't suit and they maybe didn't suit the style of play. I don't know. You've seen we've all seen lone players go to a, a team yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. well, but still are still good players uh, at the back of it. And it didn't look great based on these highlights. Uh, Robbie was it Robbie McGale that they brought yeah. in that, that started up front alongside Kevin Smith. He went off at half time. To be fair, that might have been because of an injury. I I, I don't know. But the, if, if they are able to bring anybody in between now and the end of January, it needs to be players that, that, that significantly improve their starting 11. Yeah, you said that. I don't know if you if you remember this last week. You spoke about Xander Murray having signed for them from, mm-hmm. from Gallifrey yep. Dean Rovers. I, I, certainly the, the punters, not to repeat last week's podcast, of course. I feel as though I'm repeating this for your benefit, actually. Given and, and thank goodness you are. Thank goodness you are. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the idea. It's like we've said that you need SPFL experience. Mm-hmm. And so you're signing a guy playing for a, a fairly mediocre, lonely tight as 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 everyone who's we watch him says like, oh, he's probably too good for the Lowland League. But by the same token, it's like it's not like he's going in to sign for Forfer or Stenhouse Muir, a team that, that's for for established SPFL players. You're going to a team who don't have that much SPFL experience. So you so you're not improving the quality if you see what I mean you're, you're not going to you're perhaps not going to be dragged up to a level or pulled up to a level you might be just in amongst it uh, do you know what I mean by that? yeah I, I, although speaking to uh, speaking to people who have seen him uh, play for Gallifrey and they felt he was more than good enough for, for League 2 so maybe maybe he will get the chance to prove that between now and the end of the season I hope so you know I, I think he like he seems like a pretty cool guy he seems very charismatic uh, and it'd be interesting to see how how he gets on. But just at like the age of thirty one, never played at this level before. It's 
as, as, as we'll come on to the non-league truth, truthers might not admit it but there is a big step up between non-league football and, and, and the SPFL but as there, I mean, that's Annan now been a very very slow start to their campaign but they seem to be at least at least are challenging for promotion something that we expected them at the beginning of the campaign I mean I suppose what has what has helped them over the last uh, month or so is that as, as poorly as, as they did over the that, that first two fifths uh, of the campaign they were never really that they're never really that far away I suppose and now it feels like that the players so I know uh, I, I know Tommy Goss started the season particularly well However, another couple of goals at the weekend. Players like Aidan Smith, yeah. uh, Chris Johnson looked like yeah. a really good game. So players that you would expect to, to do well for, for Annan kind of week in, week out, these guys now seem to be coming out in a game. And uh, Max Killsby, yeah. uh, left-back, who, who's on loan from Carlisle. Annan fans seem particularly impressed with him. And I There's, noticed today, has Carlisle just they've announced extended that he's, his loan. he's extended and his loan? Yeah, so that feels like a good move. There was a really nice bit in the commentary as well. Actually, this is my favourite bit in the commentary because Killsby's goal was really, really well taken. It's a really good cutback from, from Smith. Swings in with his left foot into the net. But the commentator says, like, like Killsby's man, Da, were watching the game and his dad was involved in the celebrations. Again, I just it's a nice, like, like we're talking about the Peter Head game of the wee kiddies uh, running after Kieran Shanks. It was the same sort of thing. It must be class, like, watching your laddie uh, scoring a play. It must be class, like, having a kid who's, like, playing football where people are cheering him on and all that and he scores, like, a, a really nice goal like that. You, uh, you really are letting uh, love into your heart. And that's uh, a couple of times you're talking about something that's just really, really nice. Oh, it's wholesomeness, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just nice. I, I don't know, man. Like at the weekend, it was my my grand's ninetieth birthday, so I spent time time there, and she was there with like four generations of her family from from her children, her grandchildren, and her great grandchildren. I was there with my niece Georgia, who I I, I don't see all that often, but she's turning into a wee superstar. So it just feels nice, Sean. Huh. I know that that a lot of the time I um. I'm bitter, I'm unhappy, <laughs> I'm angry, I'm sad, I lash out, I'm frustrated a lot of the time. And, and, and yeah, yes, I, I still am. But just, just just, let me have this one. I just like seeing, it must be class though, like, just like having a kid and watching him score a goal in front of folk. That must be amazing. Ah, no, it will be. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, they have signed Willie Gibson has come in. He signed earlier in the week. So uh, based on uh, purely football things, that is a very good signing. I, I I think Gibson could could easily play at, at League One level. And ironically, the fact that he'd never picked himself or rarely picked himself to play at right back this season, I always felt held Queen of South back. Bear in mind, he was the manager of Queen of South. It felt like a, a, a strange decision from him. I think if Annan were to play him at right back every week between uh, now and the end of the season, it can only improve their squad, or sorry, improve their, their start 11 Uh I suppose where it becomes difficult is I don't know when his court case is yeah. and depending on the results of that uh, I suppose that could look uh, a bit embarrassing or awkward No, no, that's, that's, that's I would have said the exact same thing I think that Gibson's played at this level before with Peter Head to a great, great degree of success that was, a, that was a pretty good Peter Head team that he was part of he was part of there was a group weirdly a group of players based in Dumfries area that would play for Peter Head. So it was like him, Greg Fleming, Scott Hooper, Aidan Smith. The four of them played for Peter Head. Who could be bothered with the travelling? <laughs> I would, listen, I just play, I, I would want to play for a team down the road for me just so I don't have to drive everywhere. Driving's rubbish. You just think about things when you're driving. And when you start thinking about things, things get into your head and you're on the right frame of mind. I don't like driving. 
Not by I've myself. Lived, I, I don't drive. Well, I, I, no, I have, I have, I have driven, uh, but only around industrial estates and car parks. <laughs> you drive and, and me. The only, th- the only thing I could, I could concentrate on and think about was how, how do I get out of this car park alive? Because I was quite scared. God, it's like if uh, if the movie Die Hard took place during one of your driving lessons. <laughs> uh, Gibson, Gibson, I think Gibson will be a fine sign. It'll give him an option, give him an extra wee bit of experience and a wee bit of know-how as well. And the, I was a bit wary of that. Like somebody who has been a manager and reverts back to playing, when they go to a different club, what's their personality going to be like? Are they going to be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. You know, like uh, you could. Uh, that's. I. I don't know how. 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 Uh, I mean, in fairness, I. I get the impression that Willie Gibson would argue with anybody, not just his manager. So. Well, yeah. I mean, especially if you work in Tesco. <laughs> oh. Uh, next match, uh, Bonnie Riggs. Next game, we spoke about uh, Aaron playing his fight. Bonnie Riggs. Next game, away to Dumbarton. Oh dear. Uh, I, I I suggest I will suggest three points for the Suns I feel like a, a team who are, are terrible at defending set or just I was going to say defending set defending in general against, <laughs> uh, against the league leaders I suppose Dumbarton played Kilmarnock in the Scottish Cup gave a pretty good account of themselves yep. actually uh, the um I don't ever think they were likely to win, but nevertheless, it's like to go to a, to go to a big team like um, like Kilmarnock and, and 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 hold your own. That's certainly something to be to be proud of. So it'll be interesting. I mean, they played four for the the past week, so it's how they how they bounce back from from that. Again, we spoke about that in last week's podcast. Sean, you had uh, you had checked out by that point. I uh, moving on from that. I I, I think their <laughs> performance against Kelly will give them. I know it was a defeat, but I think it'll give them a, a boost and a, a huge degree of confidence going into these fixtures. But I, I don't think they need uh, a, a lot of confidence to to win this next one. You know what? Judging based on how our general discussions go, I'm going for a Bonnie Rig win just to make us look like a bunch of asses. <laughs> that's just that's just what happens. That's just what how these things go. Uh, no, 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 Dumbarton will win. Okay, now, Sean, uh, we, we mentioned uh, this was going to be a, like an SPFL exclusive podcast, but it would be remiss of us not to talk about the Scottish Cup because, as we said there, there were three ties that took place earlier in the week. On Monday night, Darville recorded like unarguably one of the biggest upsets in the history of the competition when they embarrassed Aberdeen and beat them 1-0 and on the Tuesday Fowler and Joel Sked recorded a podcast up on the Patreon so it's worth listening to I thought that a lot of the BBC's coverage like weirdly because you should be focusing on Darvel's achievement because it's incredible you should be giving them all the credit I wanted to see more from Aberdeen. I wanted to see the the players coming off the pitch. I wanted to see an interview with Jim Goodwin. I wanted the camera to cut to Dave Cormack sitting in the thing. They didn't do that, so I was disappointed in that. But at least that Fowler and Joel sort of redressed that by by discussing that in the podcast. But on Tuesday night, there were two rearranged fixtures from the weekend. Elgin City beat Drumchapel United 2-1 and Wraith Rovers got the better of Linlithgow Rose 2-0 and Sean we will start at Preston Field because you were there and, and how, how was that match? I, it was uh, I, I think if you are a, a, a fan of a, a championship or league one club and you go to an east of Scotland team then Tuesday night was probably about as it wasn't comfortable as such, but it's probably as good as it can go, I suppose. Especially after a a first half that, that finished nil nil and 
Linlithgow had, had missed the best uh, opportunity in, in that first half. However, I, I thought the second half, Rafe were pretty good. Uh, Linlithgow fell away, whether that was to do with, 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 with fitness, whether that was just because, uh, I mean, Rafe had a, a perfectly good goal disallowed. At oh, cheese is that the header that the defender heads ah, it back and then Gullen ah, sort of lobs the goalkeeper? I mean, remarkable. Uh, but I mean, Wraith, Wraith got their noses in front at the, at the start of the of the second half. And honestly, Lanlisco never really looked like uh, they, they were going to go back into it. Oddly, there was... So, so we moved, so we were uh, kind of standing on the... Just beyond the halfway line towards the goal that Wraith were attacking in the first half. And then, like, because you can move anywhere... In the second half, we were behind the goals that Wraith were attacking. And this is now the second time that I've experienced this at Linlithgow. And I'm not saying it's it's representative of Linlithgow fans uh, in general. But I remember going there 2014, 2013 maybe, when Grant Murray was the, the Wraith manager. Mm. And Linlithgow were excellent. Uh, Wraith eventually got through 2-0, but didn't deserve it. Linlithgow were probably a better team on the day. And I remember there was a, a, a kind of maybe three or four Linlithgow fans standing next to me I was just here on my own and they said something along the line we'd, we'd spoken at some point and they knew I was a Wraith fan and they said something along the lines of ah, I bet you thought this would be easy bet you thought this would be easy but typical uh, Rovers fan coming here and it would be easy and I was like right typical well typical Rovers fan coming here I was like right well I've, I've the Rovers have won one game in 16 yeah. so I've seen Wraith Rovers win once in four months so no I definitely didn't think it would be it would be easy. They, ah, you're saying that, you're saying that. I was like, right, I, I, okay, no worries. And then, and then on Tuesday there, like, I there was some like chat back and forth. But then, inexplicably, this kind of old guy that was standing behind us might have been this one of the same guys for uh, for, for ten years ago. It, it was he started saying things like fucking championship club, fucking championship club. Should be fucking embarrassed. And it's like right, well, it like why should it, like, why should I be embarrassed about this? Like, Wraith are a goal up. Uh-huh. Uh, they've had another goal disallowed. Uh, they've hit the post twice. They're kind of starting to dominate the game. Why Why should we be embarrassed at yeah. this? But it's like he had some kind of chip on his shoulder. But uh, unfortunately what happened is Wraith eventually got that second goal in the event. They had a number of Wraith Rovers fans, like, Saying get that right up here, you, you old prick, mm-hmm. which was uh, which was unfortunate. But by the same token, he, he probably brought up brought on himself. And uh, what, another thing I I don't like about games like this is that there seems to be a I sometimes feel like there's a groundswell of opinion that is good to to not have uh, segregation at games. Mm. I, I think it would have been a better atmosphere if there was segregation. So you just have. Yeah. Shouting back and forth, a, a third of the stadium Wraith Rovers fans, two thirds of the stadium Linlithgow fans. But because everybody was kind of dispersed uh, around the stadium, that was I thought it was kind of quite a, a flat atmosphere. Mm. I, I mean, it was fine. There was a, there was a buzz, but there was like there wasn't really any singing. I, I, yeah. I just felt it could, it could have been better. So I, I know I'm, I'm very much I'm not on the uh, I'm, I'm not on the bandwagon when it comes to uh, not having segregation. I, I, I think it makes things better. But I, regardless, you know something. I, I've only been there once before. Uh, a, a brilliant stadium to visit, especially when it's especially when it's as busy mm-hmm. as, as it was on Tuesday. Night. I don't know what the what the official attendance was, but I, I thought it was a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good occasion and a, a pretty good uh, uh, a, a pretty good attendance. But I Wraith where Wraith looked up for it, and you yeah. know something. I think if, if an SPFL club goes into these games and they are up for it, then the chances are that they're, they're going to come out on top, and that's what happened. It's, it, 
that guy, the 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 old curmudgeon that was, he should be embarrassed. He should be embarrassed. It's these these games. It's like why why should Rayrollers be embarrassed at the fact that they're only beating Linlithgow one? No, you think about it like from 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 a play, from a player's perspective, you're going into these games for Wraith Rovers. Like the pressure's on you to win. Right, so you're perhaps I'm saying you're perhaps going to be a little bit inhibited going into it, particularly in front of a big crowd like that, an unfamiliar ground, a tight ground, and so on. And and where as you're coming up against a team who are like well and truly up for it, there's nothing to lose. If Linlithgow's get beat four, five six nil, no one no one no minds because there's that that gulp that 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 the gap between the teams. So for for Wraith Rovers, like a two 0 win, controlling the game, like riding out a, a slight bit of Linlithgow pressure, and then seeing the game out comfortably, that that's exactly how how I would expect it to go. That's exactly how I would expect it to, to go. So I don't understand why that why there's that uh, why that guy's giving you a hard time, and I suppose it, it ties in with a wee bit with what we saw at the the, the Darville game there, where a lot of the discussion became like this Darville team could hold their own. There's, there's a lot of people like, like the, the SPFL, I think, what am I trying to say here, Craig? What am I trying to say? I think that there, there are people who don't like the SPFL for for a number of reasons. Perhaps that the fact that there's there's the a lack of credible pyramid, a lack of the fact that teams don't get promoted on, on merit. You know, you can win a division but not win a promotion and so on. And so when there's a, when there's an upset, then it's suddenly that's the evidence that this division is much better than 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 the SPFL and the teams in it, and it's like folk are saying like the Darvel side, for instance, could compete in in League One. Like I, 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 I don't think I, it could. I, I, I don't know. So, so if you so, so if you want to, I, I suppose the best comparison for this Darvel team is the. Compare them to every other team that has got promoted to, to the SPFL. So compare them to Bonnerick, compare them to Edinburgh, compare them to Cove, compare them to Kelty. Yes, I think they're better than the Bonnerick team that got promoted. I think they're better than that Edinburgh team that got mm-hmm. promoted uh, X amount of years ago. Are they better than the Cove or, or Kelty no. teams? No, I, I don't think so at all. I think they would be. I think they would be potentially challenging for the League Two title this season. But you look at their. We've talked about the fact that. Bonnerig don't have SPFL experience. Darvo have that. However, those players that do have SPFL experience, by no means are they are they world beaters. It's not like a Kelty where they have Michael uh, Tidzer and Thomas uh, Riley and Jamie uh, Barjonas, uh, mm-hmm. for example. It's Jordan Kirkpatrick. It's Craig Moore. It's mm-hmm. Meekin. Like you know mm-hmm, what I mean? It's, mm-hmm, it's guys mm-hmm. who are who are capable at that level, but uh, no more than that. Uh, and I suppose it's like we, you think of cup games, and and there's there's no other way to to judge how these teams w- would do. Cup games are the only barometer, and what it takes like for 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 Darvel to have beaten Aberdeen, like obviously I, Aberdeen were the favourites going into. It. I saw that the guy that runs the Scots Abroad podcast tweeting something like, uh, uh, if you thought this was an upset, you hadn't been paying attention. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Why have you been tweeting about it from that account and your personal account and cross-tweeting one another if it wasn't an upset? Of course it was an upset. Of course it was a massive upset. Absolutely massive upset. But all it takes is like a team, Aberdeen going into it massively underperforming, Darvel having a, an excellent game, and, and these these things happen. I mean, if you if these these are the sort of games, if they played each other sort of like like nine times out of ten, then then 
Aberdeen w- would win. You can't, and, and I, I, want, I want to say, I want to make it clear that I'm not doing anything to take away from Darvel because Darvel were fucking class and it's brilliant and it's, it's funny as fuck that Aberdeen got beat and it's funny that the Darvel Twitter account admins like patting an Aberdeen fan <laughs> on the head and saying, oh, you should be Stick proud by them. Stick <laughs> by them, young man, because they'll, they'll go right. What your local team? I, I, I don't, actually, I want to make that clear that's not the case. It's, I suppose it's like we described them there as non-league truthers that we, you don't know the comparison because cup games, like emo, cup games, are all, by their nature a lot more emotional than league games. League games are bread and butter. League games are a slog, and I, don't, I mean, I, like those, the Darvel players would have been more up for that game against Aberdeen than perhaps any game that they've played in the last like the, the last calendar year. You know, and like Mick Kennedy's team talk and all that gone viral. And like, I did quite like that that line. That I mean, that sounds like it was written by Hollywood. You know, there's a man lives for forty four million minutes. I'm asking you to, I'm asking you to give me ninety of them. That was a fucking class line. So, so, so fair play to him. So there's like a there's a there's a lot to like about it. But it's like that comparison and that like the West of Scotland leagues better than the SPFL. Like, I, I. I, I don't think I don't think it's, it's easy to get carried away. I think it's really easy to get carried away. And and that's the thing about cup games; they are all very much either or. So when you see a result like Darvel beating Aberdeen, the the reactions are extreme. So it's mm-hmm. like right, well, it, it's a, a a crying shame that uh, there isn't a, a a pyramid system that is easier to to flow between the between the levels. And and that is you know that, that's, that's, that's absolutely that's spot true. on. That, that is true. By the same token, like. The only reason they aren't in the lone league a season is because they they got huckled out of playoffs by uh, Trinent uh, last time around, and I, I think if you want to have a, another comparison with uh, the the West of Scotland League, if Auchinleck win their games in hand, they'll only be three points behind Darvel. Auchinleck also played Wraith Rovers in the in the Scottish Cup this season. And I thought they were rubbish. Mm. But again, that's just because on the day Auchinleck didn't perform. Wraith Rovers were okay. Mm-hmm. But again, that doesn't mean that the West of Scotland League is rubbish. And mm-hmm. also doesn't mean that it's very good. Yeah, it's just, aye. on the day, I watched Talbot and I didn't rate them at all and I thought they were poor and were disappointing. So I, I don't, what I'm saying is, don't don't read too much into cup results. Celebrate it for what it is. And what it is, is one of, well, it is the best day in, in, Darvel's, uh, in, in, in Darvel's history. But but it doesn't necessarily mean anything else, if that makes sense. Sean, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, in 2019, Stenhouse we played Pennycook Athletic in the Scottish Cup. <laughs> no, 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 there's no difference between East of Scotland and the SPFL. But honestly, that Pennycook side had been in League 2. They'd have finished bottom with eight points. There's a massive difference. But that's, that's all it takes. I'm trying to think of that quote. What's the, what did the guy say about Margaret Thatcher? All it takes us... Uh, You've got to be lucky all the time. We just need to be lucky once. Lucky once, that's right. Ah, that's right. I saw that became a sort of Instagram um, <laughs> meme. Obviously, somebody didn't know the context it was taken from. But that's, <laughs> that's uh, what I do want to say about uh, about Darvel. I want to say I saw Ross Meakin was on the nine with Kenny Crawford on Tuesday night. And I want to say I was so fucking proud of him. Like, honestly, I love I love Ross Meakin. Huge fan of him. And just seeing him there like on live television talking about his success... With, with the club I just thought it was fantastic man and it just uh, it was like what an ambassador for your football team like just such a nice guy and uh, aye, massive credit massive credit to him and, and huge credit to, to Darvel but it's just you, as you're right it's very easy to get caught up in it and there's like the the pyramid exists for a reason and yes we're only 
what, five or six years that it's actually been open and yes, there are still log jams in place and yes, we do need to ease movement between the SPFL and the Lowland the Highland League and yes, fuck, the, there needs to be greater movement between that fifth tier and, and the West and East of Scotland because that playoff system just doesn't work and and, and the top of that, that, that South of Scotland team is allowed into what St Cuthbert's Wanderers got, got in You're there. just there for cannon fodder, essentially. Aye, I mean, let's face it, it was between Trent and, and Darville for, for, for that contest. Um, so aye, that, that needs to change. And in an ideal world, you would just have the divisions where everything would flow between them. It's a lot more difficult than that. And <clears throat> Excuse me. I think you ask like a, a hundred fans what the best uh, what, the, what the best way to, to organise league is you get a hundred different answers. So I, and I, I, I tell you what I would suggest though, uh, if Darville were to reach the playoffs again this year, don't let some of your players go on a stag do during them. In hindsight, that was a mistake. <laughs> I think um, I, I think I think Mick Kennedy would look back in that and, and say like I, I probably probably shouldn't have done that. Who was, was it? Darrell Meggett stag do, wasn't it? Yes. Aye, Daryl may get stagged too, aye. And I suppose, remember the, the, the photographs of uh, Darren Miller, the, the, the Darvel player, covered in cash when they won the West of Scotland League, he was posing with, with, with cash. And then I'm sure I saw a picture, like, like that was, he, he got a hard time of it on social media, and, and quite rightly so, because a bit vulgar. And any time someone criticised him, he would reply to them saying, you should get your hard drive checked. So I just, uh, that bit, it sounds like a, a cool guy, Darren Miller. But then I saw the photo guy, the boy from Trenent, when uh, when they won, he put like a pound note <laughs> on his chest. No, that was I thought that, that that was really really funny. But no, I mean in, in terms of the Sean, like it's been the, the greatest Scottish Cup upset ever, and I suppose in the distance between the 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 teams, it is. Is this for you the greatest Scottish Cup upset? No, I I still think Berwick versus Rangers is, and I know like I. Uh, like I know Berwick were a second tier team well, well yes but there was only two tiers and they finished 10th in the second tier which is the equivalent of finishing bottom of the third tier if you wanted to, to kind of give it that modern context and bear in mind that Rangers team I think got to the cup winners cup final and lost to Bayern Munich I mean that was that Rangers team was at the time one of the best teams in Europe mm-hmm. and they lost to a, a, a fairly a reasonably abject Berwick team that finished thirty out of out of forty, and probably and I I I, I know I know Davil have spent a lot of money on on facilities and and they presumably spend okay money uh, on on their players. I I would still say Berwick versus Rangers was a bigger a bigger shock because yeah. of context. Oh no no of course of course of course but that's uh, that 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 was impressive Aberdeen. Are- can you believe that good ones being kept on? No, this is this is very much out of our wheelhouse. We are very much the the kiddie sides, and, and and we leave the leave the big boy teams to the older guys. But I mean, that, I cannot believe that good ones being kept on. Cannot no, believe. Me neither. I, but the thing is, he he will last about another two weeks, and then he'll, he'll be away at that point. You would imagine. Can you imagine Hibernian beat them at the weekend. Surely that's him. I mean, that's. I mean, I mean, Darvel's bad, but Hibs. <laughs> Just uh, finally, Sean, that uh, the, the next round being drawn, Darvel are taking on Falkirk at Recreation Park. How do you see this one going? Can Lightning, I mean, Darvel have already beaten Montrose, they've beaten Aberdeen. Can Lightning strike a third time in the cup? Montrose is a, Montrose is a weird game. Like, I, I, it certainly was now a 5 2 game. Uh, like, Darvel were uh, certainly made the most of their chances uh, on the day. But I, I do you know something I wouldn't 
well, no, I would be surprised if if Darvo beat beat Falkirk, but I think they have a chance. However, if Falkirk play well, then yes, they'll get through. And and you know something, if Falkirk play well, I think they'll get through quite comfortably. Yeah, I that that's as we said there. It takes the small team have to be excellent and make no mistakes. The big team have to be terrible. And I'm sure that, that the Falkirk players, the Falkirk management will have watched that game, will know all about Darville. It's going to be live in the telly. I think that Darville will have made a, a, a lot of well-wishers. There'll be a lot of people tuning in, a lot of people who want to see them do well. Um, and that's something that Falkirk will have to be wary of. However, if they can, if they just like play well, take it seriously, uh, then, it's, then it's just uh, it's academic, really. It should have been academic for Aberdeen. I mean, for a West of Scotland League to, if, if they could take three, I mean, if they could take the scalps of Montrose, Aberdeen and Falkirk all in the same season, my goodness, my goodness. But I, I don't expect it to happen. No, no. It's probably enough for tonight. I, I think so. I think we've been fairly fit. I, th- I, th- I think so. Um, we are going off to do a Patreon episode. Now, Sean, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Andy Harrow and I had originally done this on Tuesday night, but Andy's audio, uh, like Osama bin Laden, was compromised permanently. So, so what did, how do you describe it as permanently compromised? Anyway, Andy Harrow's uh, audio, like Osama bin Laden, was killed by elite Navy SEALs <laughs> wearing night vision goggles to the point where it was unlistenable. And it's a damn shame because actually it was a, the podcast was a good laugh. But nevertheless, Sean and I are going to be discussing about some of the most interesting ins and outs that we've seen in the transfer window. These will be some players we've perhaps uh, touched on in this podcast or previous podcasts, but, uh, or some players that, that we haven't at all. But nevertheless, it's, um, it's going to be good fun. So we'll catch you over there. So before we do that, Sean, great to, great to hang out with you again. Thank you. Good to, good to hang out with you. And until next time, have fun at the football, but do so respectfully. That's going to be my sign-off going forward. Have fun at the football, but do so respectfully. We'll see you later. Cheerio! Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.